1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. sox fans again never really recognize my cue you might you might be hearing me mid-sentence as this podcast begins but welcome thank you for being here uh we're happy to have you darren black and i it is socks pop on the farm and it's number 45 i believe i'm titling it do the white Sox know what they're doing and this would be the Minors edition because socks pop on the farm we're on the farm we're not we're not on the south side we're not in the ballpark if we we're in the ballpark you could hear us echoing right now. <laughs> White Sox. Uh, but listen, we got the news today, uh, Darren, what we what we feared. And, you know, a, a guy that, you know, I don't, I don't make too much of this, but, I, you know, I, I think you see a lot of the positive of. Um, the guy stood up in Davis Martin last year, came out of A and equipped himself rather well in the major league level. Uh, He seemed to be the guy who was very clearly the number six, I guess you'd say, starter on the depth chart, was pitching well at Charlotte uh, and then had gotten hurt. Then we heard forearm soreness, and now we hear it's Tommy John surgery that has triggered me as the host who don't know nothing to sort of open up this podcast and rather than go through our mvps of the week or whatever we can catch up with that maybe next week you know double it up again we've we've done it before hopefully nobody's going to feel too sad that we're not talking about their mvp for performance from this past week apologies to the four of you dj gladney it's perpetual now we're just xeroxing (laughs) at this point we just you get all the awards we're going to just send them all at the same time um But uh, to take maybe a step back, uh, talk the way we have a little bit in the past, Darren, that is a little more broadly and generally about the system because the lack of a Davis-Martin, as if Davis-Martin should be in in any competitive team, the only or maybe even the number six. I know we've gone back and forth a little bit on this, Darren. Um, I seem to think that there should be much more starter depth, and you look back at me and say, well, dude, I, you know, how many guys are you going to get who are major league ready, who are going to be happy to pitch in Charlotte and be like the number eight starter? And, and I do understand that. It's not a matter of snapping fingers and Rick Hahn can just call up 12 Johnny Quetos and, and be fortified <laughs> and have a better rotation in June yeah, than he has in April. Um, but that said, Davis Martin being out reveals weakness and depth issues, it seems to me, and this is the discussion we're going to have, uh, at this point, now, Sean Burke is maybe six. Christian Mania is maybe number six. Nobody is. Jesse Schultz is number six. Nobody is number six. Um, t- t- Tanner Banks pitching four outs is number six we don't have there there's not really the depth to go beyond six (laughs) which is sort of nuts um so that is the premise we won't necessarily dive right into davis martin even though that's the premise i've laid out what i'd like to know first and this is probably a twist you weren't expecting darren but i i would like to know given that you've studied these this this system and this team closely certainly for five-plus seasons with Southside Sox, but certainly part of the reason why whoever, uh, you know, I don't know, Uh whenever I assaulted you the first time and said, hey, Darren, do a bunch of minor stuff. Please, please, please. Uh, You know, you had actually, you know, I'm assuming you had uh, more than casual interest in it at that point. So given a track record with this system and seeing, I'm not sure about ups, but definitely downs of it, uh, I'd like to start out, and ask you what you think the White Sox are doing better or doing right with their development system in the minors. Is there something that they're either doing really well or at least they're doing better that you're seeing? We're gonna start positive because we love the White Sox and we do not wanna criticize them and there will be criticism in this podcast, but I wanna start maybe on a note of something, if there is anything that you've noticed that's, that's better or even good?
1: Uh, I mean...
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> White Sox, you listening?
1: <laughs> if, if, if I were to say anything is good or maybe a little bit better than what they normally do, it's probably those uh, kind of middle or not, not even middle tier, but late tier. Like Maybe they didn't get a really low bonus when they were drafted, or maybe they didn't get the couple thousand bucks that the international players get sent um, if they're really interested in somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of those Danny Mendix, uh, Matt Fosters, just to kind of name uh, a few of recent. Uh, those type of guys who are not going to be world beaters, uh, but they are just... Whatever they've done in the minors, they have excelled at yeah. everything possible, and they have gotten the most out of them. The probably the two most famous examples might be Yulmer Sanchez and Leary Garcia, based based off of what they were when they got Perfect. them. Um, and those are guys that were obviously very limited and were never going to be, you know, all stars. Um, I kind of. If you want to throw in Jose Quintana in there, but I guess that would be kind of a whole different story because um, yeah, that's like a, a regime and a half ago. Yeah. Um, however you want to term, you know, the same guy being the president or vice president throughout the whole entire process. But yeah. probably probably that. it's They're able to get the most out of these athletically limited guys. Um, and then if they are too athletic, they seem to fall flat on their face. Um, Whenever they get those type of guys. Um, But lately, um, I would probably, and we haven't really seen any of this in the majors yet, um, because Mike Shirley took over for the 2020 draft. And I do think uh, the 2020 draft and on has been better. This 2022 draft looks really, really good so far, um, even though their best player is uh, or their first round draft pick still isn't pitching yet Um and the 2021 20, first round draft pick still. Isn't yet. <laughs>
0: well, <you know. laughs>
1: but um but yeah it, it's to be determined on on this amateur scouting director and see how how that goes they haven't changed international scouting directors and uh, i mean maybe even my life whenever they got in trouble <laughs> that one time right um like yeah. every major league team does uh yeah. but um But what they've done lately is kind of the same thing with just with the pitching staff only. Uh, You look at Christian Mayna, Mayna, who looks pretty good. Um, You look at Cole Seamus, an undrafted free agent that they seem to be getting a lot out of right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the uh, younger guys, they have seemed to miss on pretty much any high school pick they've taken um, besides Colson Montgomery. So hopefully things go better for Noah Schultz, but there's, I mean, I wouldn't say they're good at anything. But if you're looking at something to hang your hat on, they seem to get the most out of the guys that don't that shouldn't be there um, and it might be better uh, in the future based off of the last couple
0: drafts. <laughs> yeah. And could be worse. Uh, okay, now listen something you said I got to mine into it now. You're you're citing um, the Danny Mendix of the world um, for 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 helping them Find a gear that got them to the major leagues, and per, per, not just not just flushing out, you know, even maybe not even well, okay, a, a Daniel Polka type of career where maybe make an impact for a, a year plus, and then maybe you're never heard from again. But you did make that impact. Yeah. All right. the The White Sox are good at sort of helping those guys find that gear, which I would argue they might they might have already had in them. Danny Mendick gets drafted at twenty odd something, whatever. He's like, oh, I'm going to show them. And, you know, he's just got that in him. So what does it say about um, a system and the instructors when you've got the talented players that are maybe more likely to underachieve, as I think you pointed out, and maybe some guys who are, I mean, I don't even know if this is just just, just a statistical, um, just just what you would expect, the number of guys you would expect to overachieve. But, okay, let's say that they're good at at what you said, getting the, the Mendix to the majors, that's not exactly an endorsement of the system either. <laughs> I mean, you're supposed to take those top five, yeah. say, round picks and sort of assure that they get to the majors. And it's great if you have the gravy of a Danny Mendic making it and, and, and being gritty and grindy and all that, you know, I mean, that's, that's awesome too, of course. But I mean, it's even in your positive, Uh, what you struggle to find positive, what they're, they're doing well, it's sort of, it is almost a backhanded compliment that the guys they're they're able to matriculate are sort of, you know, I hate to say it, but like mediocre or average talents, let's say. Um, And the guys who seem equipped, maybe they don't have the ability to reach those guys. I mean, that's not great. That's not what you want to see as a, as an observer and as an analyst of the system of, Geez, this guy's getting flat. You know, Wes Kath is flat. This guy's flatlining. And okay, well, Danny Mendick is is you know, Romy Gonzalez is is striving his way to the major leagues. Great mm-hmm. stories, but eh, okay.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, they haven't drafted uh, a, a star since Tim Anderson. Um, it, I mean, this year is really weird with Jake Berger now looking like the guy he was supposed to be mm-hmm. when he was mm-hmm. drafted. Uh, like three Achilles ago Um, but other than that it's really just kind of been and I know there's you know Andrew Vaughn we don't know yet and in all reality Jake Berger we don't know yet and Garrett Crochet we don't know yet Um, but it's just kind of not they make it to the majors their first round picks make Mm -hmm. it to the majors which two thumbs up for that I guess um, but I think drafting and knowing who's good is much better now than it was 20, 30 years ago um, or 10 years ago when they were taken like Courtney Hawkins or Jared Mitchell's like guys like that, uh, that clearly just weren't, you know, ball players. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure what they can do to kind of fix that because they pretty much were doing the same thing when they caught lightning in a bottle with Tim Anderson that they had been doing with right. the yeah. two guys that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. He just, Worked a lot harder at it and was just a much better hitter. Um, maybe not defensive guy, but just much better baseball player um, than, those, than those other two da- two guys. Um, and then they did the 180. They went with, oh, we've known quantities of, we know these bats are going to be great. We know Jake Berger's bat's going to be great. We know Zach Collins' bat is going to be great. Oh, Zach Birdie, he throws 100 miles an hour. He's mm-hmm. going to be great. Um, and then so on and so forth because it was pretty much the same kind of system after that. Because Andrew Vaughn, oh great bat, he'll be great. Uh, Garrett Crochet, oh he throws hundred miles an hour, he'll be, he'll be great. <laughs> um, and then Nick still, Madrigal just has a spidey sense to
0: play the game, yeah. so of course we're going to pick him after. great
1: bat on ball. He'll be great. And now Cubs fans can see that he, you know, is not anything. Of consequence, though the Sox didn't win that deal either, (laughs) Uh, definitely not. Um, But another guy who has like in that deal, Cody Hoyer, another guy that was like, oh, Mm -hmm. there's some tools there, Um, and uh, they found something in that. Uh, We've seen a lot of guys that they traded this year, uh, McKinley Moore, make it to the make it to the pros, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not, I'm not too sure how they fix it. Um, I'm hoping this past couple. Drafts is what uh is kind of gonna be the turn of it. Because we talked about this last week where you know the A-balls are doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um and some of that is just older older guys like Tim Elko doing really well. Right. Um or this week's Bryce Willets, another kind of older college prospect. Uh, but you see DJ Gladney taking strides forward. Yeah. Um Jordan Sprinkle was probably the best hitter they took. He looks fine. Uh, probably a better hitter than he probably should be at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And then all the pitching, it just looks fantastic. And they spent a, put a lot into pitching uh, this time around. Even guys like Drew McDaniel um, and Shane Murphy, Tyler Schweitzer, uh, not really the top tier guys that you're really thinking of doing pretty well. Um, So I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I'm not sure how long uh, this regime will watch over that success mm-hmm. um i think we all expect it to be in perpetuity but um <laughs> they do kind of go through amateur scouting directors uh a bit more than they do um the rest of the front office
0: which yeah, is <laughs> to say they don't change anything at all right <laughs> um okay uh again i'll read between the lines and on on what you just said there and it seems to me now granted with the caveat that that you've already noted that, uh, in the Shirley era, let's say, uh, things may really could really be changing. So again, we'll, you know, we're going to have, we, uh, we have to pause and that because you know, these, these guys are very young. Right. But from what you've seen, say, like under, under Han, you know, um, you know, over this last decade, uh, is it a safe observation that when the playing field is equal, the White Sox fare v- very poorly, when we're talking about s- grabbing the free agent who maybe didn't get drafted, when we're talking about uh, clearly Cuba, I mean we we can't we, we can't overlook that even though you know it's not yes. technically the farm system or the draft. Um, but when the when the playing field isn't quite right, and when the when the White Sox can sort of exploit advantages or just I mean maybe be smarter, out outwork, um, um, outscout. Um, that they do that. Is that a fair observation that when it just... If we're just going to look at it through the prism of the draft, again, excepting maybe these last couple, uh, mm-hmm. the White Sox don't fare terribly well. Uh, and and where they're getting some of their value comes from these places. The Cody Hoyers just sort of waltzing in at, you know, whatever whatever round pick. I obviously, wasn't super, super high pick. I don't think. I hope I'm not wrong. Uh, Cuba, uh, the, the Colsemuses of, of the world. Um, it, it just... It, it sounds like a little bit of what you're saying. Is that a, is there a fair interpretation of of where you're at?
1: No. Yeah. I mean, they they
0: don't give themselves
1: a huge margin of error. Now that, I mean the margin of error of every single one of these draft picks and every single international signing of late, because they don't, they're not like Jose Abreu and doesn't exist. Uh, They're not getting those type of guys any longer. They're going to Japan nowadays. Um, and they're never going to compete with Shohei like, to get Shohei Otani, and that is a level playing field to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think kind of they do, They go back to Carlos Rodon. They didn't give him a qualifying offer, which at worst he stays at. I get well, I guess at worst or best doesn't really fit there. But <laughs> but it, yeah, the you, options were there, else, and they took
0: neither. Yeah.
1: If yeah, someone else signs them, and you get extra whatever pick it is, an extra couple million dollars, and that's another maybe high school draft pick, something like that. Um they don't leave a lot of room for that. Um like even in this past draft, they Peyton Peyton um Peyton Schultz or Noah Schultz, I got Peyton Pellet and <laughs> Noah Schultz combined. Might as well. We haven't seen Noah Schultz. Yeah. He
0: may not exist.
1: Yeah, but they took those guys, Noah Schultz, uh, high school guy, not as highly rated as a high school guy, um as uh uh, as some of the guys that got bit, bigger money, uh, but more question mark there. So he'll take a lower bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, Peyton Pallet is coming off an entire uh, year of not pitching because he had Tommy John surgery the p- previous year. Um, he mm-hmm. went down a lot in bonus pool from what he was expected. That's kind of what they have been doing lately uh, or just in this past draft and trying to see like or piece together potential. And then later on they'll go like, oh, okay, Shane Murphy was pretty good. Um, we'll throw a bone to Tim Elko. We'll see if he can actually be anything and they'll take more known quantities later on. Definitely not as high a potential, but smaller margin. Um, and they do the same thing in the international pool too. And you would usually want your, uh, international money to be spent supplementing, uh, where you weren't able to draft, which this year would have been bats, um, and they did sign some interesting guys like Eric Hernandez, uh, but he's 17, super young and raw. Um, I, I guess saying 17 and young and raw is a little <laughs> redundant, but, um, that's, that's basically what he was. And then you have Lloyd Trapelli, who has also signed, uh, in that same year, uh, for less, but older, more known quantity. And now he's in Winston-Salem already, um, uh, doing really well, uh, mind you, but that's, that's kind of how their business has always been, and that will not change when, until the big guy up top uh, leaves leaves on that end. Um, but they, they've they always worked on smaller margins. That's why everyone always says for the 05 title they caught lightning in a bottle because they actually did have a lot of prospects that came um, either in trade or draft that actually all hit kind of at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are hoping to do the same thing this time. They all drafted and traded for guys that were supposed to be up uh, 2018 to 2019 to 2020 at the same time, and then all leaving right now, <laughs> and they have <laughs> one, one playoff win to show for that. Yeah. Um, and that, again, that's also kind of harbored some of their draft drafting during those years, too. Um, the pandemic kind of makes it a little weird. Uh, like Andrew Vaughn missed a whole entire year of baseball and Garrett, um, crochet didn't just recently pitched in the minors for the first time. So a little bit, you know, (laughs) pandemic weirdness, um, but those are still, those are still two really advanced guys that shot up the system. Um, and maybe weren't better for it. Maybe they didn't develop enough for it. Mm Um, I mean, both are playing positions. We didn't really think they were going to play when they were drafted as a reliever and, uh, I guess, and Vaughn is now at first base, but finally. (laughs) Yeah, but as a left fielder for a few years. Um, But it does seem like they're doing it smarter (laughs) Uh, in 21 and 22. um, Still, all those high school draft picks are not looking that fantastic, still. Jared Kelly looks not that great. Um, and West Cath, like you said, doesn't look that great. Um, so we'll see how kind of Mike Shirley's crew ends up. Um, but I am more heartened, um, now than I was by all the guys that literally crashed and burned, uh, in the Nick Hostetler era mm-hmm. of just constant injuries and nothing looking back and Davis Martin being the last <laughs> Nick Hostetler yeah. era. Draft pick getting hurt.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a break. We'll come back talk more about this um, system. I've, I've already learned a lot. I'm sure I'm going to learn more in the second half. If you stick around, wait a minute or so, listen to a couple ads from Fans First Support Network. Um, <laughs> I bet you you're going to learn something too. So hang with us. We'll all learn. Uh, see you in a minute. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. White Sox fans, Brett Ballantini. I am lucky enough to be hosting Sox Pop on the Farm. Ah, they say, they tell me it's 45. So it's 45. 45 of these farm podcasts. And it's not to say we've never Pulled back the lens because I know we have pulled back the lens on the system and not like drill down and, and, and talk for 12 minutes about DJ Gladney before. But uh, <laughs> given the injury, uh, if you missed the news of to Davis Martin, uh, Tommy John surgery, our number six starter, our certainly number one minors depth starter, and arguably only minors depth starter is now <laughs> going to be out well into 2024, it would seem. And yeah. of course it just reveals um, you know, it reveals a, a barren system. Now uh, Darren in the first half was smart enough to sort of remind me, Hey, listen, there is a new regime. There is maybe a theme to it or a style to it. That's, that's a little bit more distinct than say the Nick Hostetler era era of drafting and pursuing amateur players or just punting international money cause <laughs> yeah. uh, cause why not? Why would you want more players? Um, so uh, you know, again, that with the caveat that you know we're we're still, f- you know, for the intents and purposes of a minor league system, we are. This is new. This is this is practically just almost still brand new, because uh, we're just talking about a couple drafts, uh, and there are some some promising signs. There are some um, signs that might give you pause, but uh, we started off in the first half. In addition to somehow invariably talking about things that aren't going too well for the white Sox. uh did want to start off with hey what is going well and darren did actually answer the answer wasn't convincing because there isn't a convincing (laughs) answer let's be honest Uh, he did good (laughs) i can see him doing very well on uh uh, essays or uh, oral exams under pressure um but uh let's now delve into what the White Sox have done, or maybe still are, because I guess we're sort of breaking this now into a couple different, I guess, eras. We still got guys in the system that are coming and we're drafting under sort of a a different um, hierarchy. And now we've got the Shirley hierarchy, but uh, what have the White Sox done? um, I mean, you know, some things I suppose are obvious, but um, what stands out to like the weaknesses of how the White Sox, and let's say in this rebuild era. So we'll go back, you know, five years or so and what they're still maybe not getting about the, the the draft or the international or or whatever is the process, what stands out to you? That's like, why do they keep doing this?
1: Yeah. uh, Well, I mean, the biggest thing is they were clearly, uh, we'll just take from the amateur drafts perspective as they were clearly drafting to fill holes like Zach Collins. I mean, a catcher does scream first round pick, uh, but Mm -hmm. we knew he wasn't good defensively. So that, that's confusing why they did that. Sort of that.
0: not a catcher, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: um, and then off the bat of that going, uh, uh, Jake Berger, um, or I guess they had two that that first year, just first round uh, specifically, and then Zach Birdie uh, in the in the comp one um, again. That's, I think drafting relievers is great. We've talked to, about many relievers in our yeah. <laughs> South side Sox tenure, but I think a lot of them are much later. We've talked uh, – the guys that we were kind of excited about, Ian Hamilton's, Tyler Johnson's, um, Caleb Freeman, who's still here, they were much later than, than Zach Birdie. Um, and, you know, guys like that that throw 100 miles an hour kind of get hurt. Um, And then Jake Berger, they didn't think they had a third baseman at the time. So they were like, oh, third baseman, we'll we'll click that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the next year or that same draft in the second round, like, oh, Abreu's getting older, first baseman, Mm -hmm. click that guy. Um, Like all those guys were known as good hitters, but not, you know, they went too far from the, you know, 100% athlete, you'll learn to play baseball to, Oh, you're a good hitter. You'll learn to do the other things. And right. they, uh, I mean, Jake Berger is a really good hitter um, right now, uh, but he did not learn the other things, yeah. uh, which is why everyone's like, Oh, well, where do you put them?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: that's a problem for a first round pick to wonder where to put them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I, I guess that would kind of go through for a little bit because uh, they did just draft Andrew Vaughn in 19. Um, but in the past few years, they've just been going so hard into pitching. It is kind of hard to kind of gleam what they're thinking about hitting wise. Um, but even then, they still did it with Nick Madrigal. Um, they're like, "Oh, uh, we just traded away a second baseman. Uh, pick him uh, with the third overall pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they picked him. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: He's sweet. <laughs> that,
1: that's just uh, that's just um, what they've done for a while." Um, and uh, the past couple of years, I think they have gone in the kind of have havesy part of it because Colson Montgomery is a shortstop right now. Uh, and everyone just assumes because he's so tall, he'll gain weight. He's 20 mm-hmm. right now, 2021, 20, um, that he'll be at third base. It's not a situation where you're like, oh, it doesn't really look like a shortstop. You actually think he could be a shortstop, but mm-hmm. just because of how you want him to grow into being a major league baseball player, hopefully he'll need to probably move to third and he'll be good at third. Mm. Um, And if you kind of look at how they've been playing it with Lane Sosa and Jose Rodriguez and Brian Ramos, uh, uh, Ramos was signed more uh, or was signed later than those guys. Uh, But actually being able to play at the positions that they're at, um, that's kind of been their calling card of late, I think. Um, again we'll see how it goes cuz in this 2022 draft uh, they took maybe like four uh four position players and there's probably just two that you could see moving up to a AAA major league level uh barely and that's Jordan Sprinkle and uh probably Brooks Baldwin um, but they're so far away um right. and I think that's what's more interesting about this next draft is that they'll go hard into the bats, I think, just because of how many uh, pitchers they took lately. Um, so I guess if you're not looking for looking uh, for much else in the season, you can look forward to a lot of bats taken for the mm-hmm. Arizona Complex League uh, if
0: you're really interested <laughs> in that. Uh, and if you are, let us know because we need the coverage. We need the photographs. <laughs> we need yes, you there. Yes, we do. <laughs> if you're listening. Um,
1: but, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to be said going forward now that they're in a, a new rebuild phase or whatever, tear down, whatever we want to call whatever they're doing right now. Um, <laughs> but they, they seem to be over going with guys that they think will fill holes on the major league team and are just taking guys that they think might be good uh, later on. Um, so I, I hope that stays, and I hope they yeah. keep taking high schoolers in the first two rounds as the bonus pool allows it. Uh, but um, I, I do think there's been a change in the last couple of years. We just won't – Colson Montgomery's hurt, and we'll be in high A. We won't see that for a minimum like August
0: 2024. Yeah. Well, now, you're describing to me a draft strategy that lasted, let's, let's just say, through – the magical Vaughn picks. So that's pretty much almost nearly to the present day. That almost sounds like fantasy baseball drafting. And as much as it's maybe uh, changed, as you pointed out, it changed from the, the very distinctive Ken Williams jared mitchell he, he sort of speaks to me he played football i think this guy's going to figure out and then you know how that didn't work and that could have been more dragged down by injury or anything else but then on the flip side tim anderson very similar profile hey about is he a basketball player or a baseball player and you know worked hard enough to make his way to the majors and become a star mm-hmm. for sure um you know of course that's more lightning in the bottle and we all know that i mean we're not really trying to hang the white Sox up for for things you can't necessarily control so much of this is a coin flip be an injury but you uh, know international players you don't know how they're going to respond to to coming over to a, a different country I mean there's just so many variables which makes this fascinating I assume it's why Darren Black a young Darren Black a, a, a six-year-old Darren Black started studying the minors when he was just barely out of the crib um but the yep, Flyers. As much, yes as much as uh maybe the 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 theme has changed, maybe from a, a more like um, strong arm uh, Ken Williams, just take this guy as a great athlete, we're going to make him a ball player. Well, we're seeing a, a twist on it, I guess, up until recently. But this twist is okay. Now we're we're drafting for for position, drafting for um, the slot that we need at the major league level. Even though these guys aren't going to sniff the majors for, I mean, the White Sox move guys up fast, and it's still not going to be like, <laughs> well, I guess they've done it a couple times towards this year. But I mean, that obviously, that you're not drafting for that. Um, so, I mean, it is almost like a fantasy baseball thing. How, how, what, there's a whole war room of, of people. There's Rick Hahn in the mix. Jerry's got to sign off. Uh, I'm sure even the, 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 the communications people might throw a word or two out. Certainly all the scouts, everybody who's in, you know, there's, there's, there's dozens of people involved in this um, situation, and yet the White Sox went from okay the Jared Mitchells, that that type of like theme, to then the Zach Collins, which is sort of a variation on that theme. How have the White Sox ended up being this, this this major market club that sort of has done this, you know, I hate to say it, they've done this so poorly. We've seen these two, these variations on a theme, but it is still sort of the same theme of just like, let's just knee, knee jerk it and almost not having... The 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 intuition that you maybe need to to pick guys again. This is crystal ball stuff, and I get it. I wouldn't want to be in that position. So any criticism here is with the caveat of hey, that's a hot seat, no doubt about it. But boy, mm. you know, sure there's Chris Sale, sure there's Tim Anderson, and, and that's great. Thank God, because otherwise they might not have a team any longer if, they, if a few of those guys don't hit. But they've been, had a lot of opportunity for hits that really haven't come about even though they've sort of changed, they've sort of flipped the philosophy. It's still a variation on the same thing of just like, well, this is, this is the, the computer said, this is, this is the guy we should pick. And it matches, you know, our algorithm says, Hey, we don't have third baseman. So <laughs> Jake Berger, um, that, that's unnerving. I mean, again, we might be in a new era where that's, that's changing, but you, you got to look back at the Han air and say, wow, they've, what an interesting set of draft picks and what, Wow. Not, not great. Nothing to feel, feel too, too proud about.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: I, I got the, I got the gist of it
1: that they just traded for all this talent that was in high A, double AA, A, triple A, and they would all be on the team in 17, 18. And so you want to draft, you know, the 2016, 2017, 2018, you know, college guys that seem more ready than the others. Uh, and that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just, they just took the wrong guys, <laughs> pretty much. Um, when you're wanting to do a first-round draft pick, like Colson Montgomery was like such a breath of fresh air from what they had been doing. A guy that we've already talked about, the shortstop, probably going to be a third baseman. Um, but you knew that he could go around the infield and be more than okay. You knew that he was coming with a clear uh, like structure at the plate of great plate discipline He'll walk. The strikeouts might be a little high right now, um, but he puts good one on it when he when he gets the bat on the ball. Um, that was kind of the opposite for especially Zach Collins, who was striking out a lot. Um, Jake Berger, uh, not as much so, but you were wondering where he was going to end up being when he was drafted. Um, and it's just looking back on it now, it looks just really, really confusing. And I enjoy the Shirley past couple drafts where it doesn't seem like that, that's what he's doing. Um, Now that again, that's a lot of pitching Um, and maybe it's good to just take a lot of pitching because we see right now they need a lot of pitching. (laughs) They do need. Yeah. But I, I think overall if, if their seats were really hot um, and I'm not sure who gets final say on the budget for an amateur scouting department or an international scouting department um, or what Type of uh, you know things you can buy that, uh, or like what analytical department you have and things that you can bring into that. I don't know if that's Ken Williams, Rickon Jerry Reinsdorf, who is saying like yes or no, we need this. Um, but it clearly was a no somewhere, um, and it, they didn't get enough uh, resources in that in that department. So that's why they've always kind of kind of been behind, uh, and that's been. That's just not, you know, every, like every White Sox fan knows that their front office is behind. Um, but just in, in league circles from what they've said, when when I, what I've what i read on like The Athletic or listened to them on the radio, it's been, oh, the Sox are just behind everybody else. Uh, and they're lucky they're in the central because everyone else is behind. Because <clears throat> even the Royals with their World Series title lucked into kind of remaking baseball in 2014, right. 2015 with their a Super Bowl pen. Yeah. Um, but I, again, feel a bit better uh, about, uh, this latest amateur draft. Um, if you want to branch it out to the international scouting pool, they're by far in the way, the team with the most bonus left. So they they have (laughs) not there. Um, but I think that's kind of just pretty much the state of things. I don't know if things will ever change on that end. Um, because even Nick Hostetler is still in the front office. I don't know what he does, but he's still there. Um, he's a special assistant to somebody or another. I'm not remembering who, but um, yeah, it's just uh,
0: there's there's a, just a really <laughs> there's a really big room at, at actually at the park. There's a really big room. It might just be bullpen style of. Where they just corral all the special assistants. This team has a lot. Given that they have like, or they haven't in the past, whatever, had like no analytics department or whatever. And you know, as you pointed out, okay, they're behind. They are not behind when it comes to special assistants. They might be at the forefront. This might, if this is a trend that's going to remake baseball, they're going to have some. You know, uh, Severinson can't be the can't be the hitting coach anymore. Well, now he's a special assistant to Ken Williams. Why not? Hey, he's a good dude. Sure, he should give him a desk. You know, whatever. Sorry, got like a tie. Ron uh, Kittle
1: is the special assistant to the art department. Like, yeah,
0: Ron. Yeah, Ron, uh, yeah. Ron Kittle is uh, another issue entirely. Okay, a um, uh, couple more uh, topics I want to hit, and I don't know if this is one that was gonna, is going to force you to wax on for um, ten minutes, or or it's or or maybe it's a, a shoulder shrug. We've heard <laughs> it just makes me blanch. I'm sorry, no offense. Chris, but we've heard that a potential, uh, GM in the, in the making or someone who is perhaps going to take on, could potentially take on a more significant role with the White Sox is Chris Getz. Chris Getz has been, um, sort of running the show and player development. Now it seems like, I want to say it's been a chunk of f- five years ish. I, I don't know. I would say it certainly overlaps rebuild time, um, to now, whatever this time is, it's not, it's not re- Well, no, I guess it is rebuild. Hey, we're back <laughs> full circle. <laughs> Uh, turntables of turn. So, okay. Um, what's your assessment of Chris Getz? I mean, I know obviously Mike Shirley's now the guy who's, you know, a, a presumably the point person in terms of uh, punching that button. It's not a fantasy draft for the draft, but you know, certainly overseen by and development, uh, under the hand of and the guidance of Chris Getz, the guy who it does seem to be, uh, very hands on, doesn't talk to us bloggers in a conference call anymore, like he did the first couple of years. Uh, I was here at South, at, 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 I was at South S. Hex, but. Uh, still a guy who seems hands-on, talks to the media, et cetera. He's the point guy, I guess, for the minor league system. Um, what, what's your vibe? I mean, we sort of covered the fact that it wasn't so good. Now it's getting a little better. Maybe Chris Getz gets credit for attracting him, Mike Shirley or recognizing Mike Shirley as a guy who maybe should be making the calls or the guy they can point the finger at when things don't work out well. But uh, just your vibe there, given that he doesn't he doesn't seem to be getting run out of the organization If anything, he seems like he, his status is getting uh, further exalted.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, who does get run out of the
0: organization? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, Moot. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, he. So if, oh, their power structure is so weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it generally, if you're an assistant to something in this organization, then there's you have five different bosses, and you're not sure who sure who the actual boss is. Um, But it does seem like because of he was the player development guy for the Royals previously that he is basically the player development guy uh, for the White Sox, even though I think, I think he is, his position is actually assistant GM. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
1: So if you are wanting Rickon fired, that's the guy that'll (laughs) take his job um, or Ken Williams son. I I don't, I think it's 50, 50 uh, to be honest, if Rickon does get fired. Um, But I don't, he he's tied at the hip to Han, so if you think Han's done a bad job, then I would say Chris Getz is done hmm. a, a poor job as well. Okay. Uh, I, there's if if you look at their w- roster, which and his thing is player development, their forty man roster. Uh, that there's quite a few guys that aren't actually under his purview; they were developed at other places. Um, like largely other places like a G Alito, Reynaldo Lopez, or even guys from his, from uh, before he was even there, like Tim Anderson, Mm -hmm. um, guys like that. And then not even going to bring up the multitude of kind of veterans that they have that no one's tied to. Um, So I, I don't think he is anything special. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If, if someone in that front office was really smart or, was ahead of the game or anything like that, then I think a lot of things wouldn't have happened in the past yeah. uh, couple of years. Um, yeah. Like he should have said to bring it back to Rodan, like it might be smart to give him a qualifying offer. <laughs> if
0: yeah. no one else in the room was saying that, then yeah. that's, that's an issue. Yeah. Right. You it. pass him a note that says, are you seriously not doing this? You know, I mean, just pass him yeah. the note, slide it under the door if the door is shut. I mean, yeah. yes. And this, I think yeah. we,
1: I think we all understand the constraints that Jerry Reinsdorf puts on all these guys, um, like handing them a manager that they don't want. I don't know who they would have hired. Um, it seemed like it's AJ Hinch and Hinchy isn't doing a fantastic t- job in Detroit. Um, <laughs> weird. You lose all your good players that were cheating and you're bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, but I, I guess he
1: has Miguel Cabrera. So he has to deal with that. Um, but I, I mean, so I don't really think gets is a real kind of, I would be mad <laughs> if Han retires, retires, resign, <laughs> <is fired>, <laughs> um, and then it's Chris, Chris Katz is the guy next to him. Cause that to me probably says that Ken Williams is back at kind of making the decisions mm-hmm. again. Um, if that is the case. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's easier to say when people have a direct, uh, like title, like Mike Shirley, like director of amateur scouting, Mm -hmm. I can directly know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris gets assistant general to what, whatever general manager to whatever. I don't know what you're, he talks about a lot about the miners. He's interviewed a lot about the miners. Um, is his best idea of Project Birmingham? <laughs> I don't know if that's you know, something to hang your hand on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing about word processing. You can just strike that from the resume at any time, you know, and maybe nobody will attach that to you. Or hiring people in your system will end up getting in legal trouble. <sighs> White Sox. Uh, okay. I want to point out, I got to go, you know, don't rewind seven minutes to listen, but uh, I want point out that when Darren said, if you think Rick Hahn's done a, a bad job that that means chris gets a bad job that was a rhetorical question we all know we all are familiar (laughs) with the fact that rick khan has done a bad job and it's very hard to find out what they've done what he has his regime has done a good job of and i'm sorry rick we all want you to succeed we all like you as a guy or certainly liked you as a guy coming in and now things just seem to be getting awfully overwhelming and now uh you know to your point darren you've got chris guest who gets who is uh, paid to sit next to Rick in, well, not literally, this is a joke, but pay, to sit <laughs> next to him in meetings and in case Rick is nodding off, nudge and say qualifying offer time, qualifying offer time are we really not going to do this or we're not going to take the free number 40 pick and the free money that goes with that, an extra star prospect for our system just because we're being nice or that we don't <laughs> want to spend, 18 million dollars on a guy who's gonna go off and have a five war season again okay a vindication for han now he's hurt with the yankees good lord uh okay uh darren give me something um if maybe it's already come up give me something (laughs) here's a challenge and i definitely couldn't answer this question well maybe i could i'm pretty uppity but what would you do differently (laughs) What would, what would be one thing that you would do? I mean, granted, yes, your initial response was supposed to be laughter. But I mean, something specifically that you'd like to see the White Sox do going forward, say, under the Shirley regime, regime, or maybe in this rebuild, what did they just, you know, what's, what's the big whiff here? What did they really miss on that seems very obvious and right under the nose? Maybe it's a, a single move. Maybe it's a philosophy. Uh, just something that jumps out to you like, again, wh- why are they doing this? Why are they not doing this? Yeah, uh, to n- narrow it down to one. Um, <laughs> yeah, page through the notebook quickly. All right, I'll let you. I'll give you a minute. Uh, yeah, but I think if, if
1: I'm just going to, I'll say this under the assumption the front office is the same and the same, there's the same owner. So I'm not going to say fire everybody. Um, if it's the same owner, that won't happen. Um, I'm not going to say, um, well, uh, hire more people to be in your analytical department or just hire more people to be your player development staff or, uh, you know, pay all of your minor leaguers, you know, mm-hmm. living wages at, at minimum, um, and provide housing, uh, at minimum, uh, or provide better food at minimum. I'm, <laughs> I, won't, I won't say any of those as realistic options. Right. Um, those newly, uh, those newly unionized ballplayers that make living wages. Um, I, I think, I mean, the easiest thing they can do that isn't actually a lot of money is using their entire international bonus pool. And I I don't care if it's, you know, they're overpaying a few teenagers that they don't. They're like, oh, these guys kind of got some tools. Um, Just you just have more guys. Um, If you want to. Anybody listening just wants to go and look at the Charlotte roster. Now they're doing much better than they were last year, mm-hmm. but it's mostly because they're signing other people's major league, triple-A, quad-A retreads. They're not relying on their retreads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. uh, guys that they actually drafted, developed, and got up there. They, there, are a, there are a few, um, but we just talked about uh, the Davis Martin injury and who's the, 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 the next six guy. It's probably Jesse Sultans right now, uh, and there's not really anybody after that because they haven't uh, done well drafting in uh, uh, from twenty. I guess AAA would be 2019 through 2021. Probably um, they haven't gotten a lot of pitchers up there that way, uh, and they're not using their entire international bonus pool. Um, I think it's a okay if you want to trade it away. I, I really, if you're trading that for another player, okay, like you're still getting sure. another player. Um, sure. I, I don't get as mad about that. But just letting it go out into the ether, <laughs> which they do every year, they have a lot right now, um, is organizational malfeasance. It yes. might not be the biggest thing that they can change that'll make the team better. Um, but you'll have a younger crop, uh, younger talent pool. Uh, in the DSL, the ACL, and low A, uh, and then you can kind of weed them out as they go uh, up the system to see who's real and who's not. Um, I I like I, If they had more of those guys, Tim, Tim Elgo would not be in low A right now, uh, wasting away and wondering why he's there. Uh, even if he's <laughs> not, anything, he's definitely better than a low A ball player. Um, so that's probably the real the most realistic thing I would change tomorrow is use up that bonus pool right now uh, on, on whatever.
0: It's like, I mean, I I only bring this up again because we just were talking about Burlington coat factory in, in yesterday's podcast, Darren. And it's as if Rick Hahn is going to go buy a fur coat because he gets a percentage of the money that's left over like Michael Scott in the office, he's going to get the 600 bucks and he gets suspended at Berlin. He gets that money somehow. Like like Jerry pats him on the head and says, well, you know, if you don't spend all the international money because we don't want to give away any of that money to those teenagers who we may never see again, maybe they'll just take the money and never show up. They will, They don't even have a glove. They don't own a glove. Uh, I mean, I we've talked on this podcast about the fact that the White Sox don't field um, even as many teams as other organizations. We're not. You're not even saying do that. I mean, you could have a 50 player roster on DSL and decide not to have two teams. Okay, do that. But get more guys in your organization. I'm sorry if that means you're going to have to pay for more like bologna and cheese sandwiches, but come <laughs> on. It, it is it is true. I mean, we use a word that you wouldn't think necessarily would come up when talking about Major League Baseball is malfeasance. And malfeasance has come up a lot. Rodon, we've referred to in this podcast, that is a great example. But just the, the notion. Right. Trading, that's one thing. It got us, I believe, Matt Foster, uh, one of those uh, one of those arms. Um, uh, um at some, uh, Maybe it was the other guy, right, who ended up uh, yelling Ooh. at the Sox on Facebook. I forget his name now. He's gone now. But, I mean, okay, it's a guy who, you know, and these guys that you're trading that money for will, will contribute to your system, presumably, and may even contribute to your major league team. Sure. So it's like you sign an international player. Okay. The idea that you're right, that you just let it expire is, uh, it's bewildering. If it rolled over... Well, okay, weird, but all right, it's yeah. not gone. The White Sox at this point would have like $80 million in their coffers, but okay, <laughs> if it rolled over, that'd be one thing too. Hey, we don't, we're do not we not turned on by anybody who's still out there or the, the guys we want are going to sign with us. Cool. It doesn't work that way though. So yeah, all right, that's a good call. Uh, I think we have the answer, Darren, but I'm going to ask you to say it again. Uh, and I have a feeling this has to do with just the very uh, recent developments with the system and who's running it. But at this point... Are you feeling um, optimistic or uh, pessimistic about sort of the future of the system? Um, hmm. Uh, I feel
1: better than last year and the year prior uh, on their minor league system. Um, Whatever year that last, it might have been Kopech because of injury, Um, whenever he graduated to, uh, rookie stats, um, I think that's was the bottom and there was no clear way to climb out of that. Uh, and I think it's better now. We talked about this a bit last week as well. The group of like the 20th, to the 40th best prospects look better than they have in the past few years, even when they were probably really top heavy, uh, during the major rebuilding years, some of those guys do look better. Um but in the end, all those guys are in low a and high a, and it's a long way to go um but I feel much better about Kannapolis and winston salem uh than i guess there were then i don't know twenty nineteen maybe there was
0: no baseball in twenty twenty so
1: no. I'll go with twenty nineteen. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that certainly doesn't, uh, you know, I'm not taking your answer to mean that you're ensuring success. Cause yeah, there's there, that is still a big (laughs) leap, but yeah, the notion you can just feel a little bit better about what their direction is, what their philosophy per se, you know, may be, it was a little strange. It's all arms. It will be interesting to see whether they do completely swing it over to all bats or if they maybe just go like more normal and go, you know, half and half. Um, But it is intriguing and it does seem like, there is, you know, you're not being a Pollyanna and you're not being a Sox apologist to say, okay, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit better. You got to put a caveat because of, 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 of who wrote the show, who knows who gets traded out, who gets, whose injury gets handled poorly. There are a lot of them. Yeah. Sorry. You know, sorry, David. And again, no, no aspersions there, but I mean, there've been a lot of things that haven't gone right after 20 years or whatever. I mean, even at the end of the the Herm Schneider area era, things were starting to change with the injuries but i mean they enjoyed such an amazing run maybe this is just the payback but uh there's a lot of ways that things can still go wrong no matter how you set it up but mike Shirley is doing his does seem to be doing his best and i and and, and it is noted that you are paying attention to what seems to be a little bit different i don't know different attitude different approach um maybe even different results i mean different results is definitely what the white sox need because this hasn't been good i mean this has been the entirety of our time really we're together darren that it's just wow i mean it's extraordinary we've done now 45 minor league podcasts because that is really that's a recipe for pain and and you know i appreciate your fortitude uh to do them because yeah it's not always not always fun to talk about i mean when tim elko is like the guy to talk about wh- wh- hooray we'll talk about him for 20 minutes i mean that's great but there's always going to be a guy to talk about now is that guy going to be major leagues or not and tim we want you to be there stash alone but your leadership yeah, is fun. Fun. we want to see you there but all right there i guess this will wind up our philosophical our our pulling back <laughs> the lens a bit on the farm uh, we're, we're in the farmhouse. We're not in the, we're not in the fields or in the barn this time around. Usually we're there, we're getting dirty. We're more mucking stalls and all that stuff. Uh, today we just sat in the farm, sat on the porch, got the corn, corn cob pipe out and just been puffing away, chatting a little bit about what's going on with the White Sox and are they pointing in the right direction? Darren Black seems to indicate that it's a tentative, but I think it is a yes. Tentative. Yeah, I would not blame him for the tentative. Yes, but, uh, tentatively we'll, uh. We'll wind up now uh, next week, Darren. I guess unless some crazy, some other stuff happens, some some more pitchers are destroyed between now and uh, a week from now, Darren, we'll go back to maybe wrapping up uh, MVPs and hopefully have some exciting players to be talking about. I know some guys were just getting to know, uh, some guys are names that have disappointed. And they're starting to turn things around. Some some guys just been you know hopping <sighs> the gig. So we'll be rounding up all those guys probably two weeks worth. Um, uh, next week, but uh, so again, test over, oral exam over. You can, you can breathe easy. Next week, I promise I won't hit you with essay questions, and you can go back to actually wearing an affiliate hat instead of trying to represent the White Sox, which is which. Face <laughs> it's a little painful, but thank you, thank you for joining me. Thanks everybody for listening. Hopefully, uh, I mean I learned something. I don't think you learned anything from me, but I think you learned something from there. That's cool. <laughs> uh, hopefully this is worthwhile. Come on back in a week. Uh, we'll do a little bit more of the traditional pop on the farm, unless the White Sox force us not to. We'll see. Your move, White Sox. Uh, Darren, Mm -hmm. thanks. Thanks, everybody for listening, and uh, we'll be back in a week or so.